Welcome to the Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard. The podcast providing you with immediate access to tools, tips, and tactics to boost your business success, build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. It's the Boost Podcast. And now, here's Kelly Leonard. Welcome back to the Boost Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Leonard. Today's episode features Kia Weatherspoon. Kia's purpose and passion is to advocate for affordable housing and design equity. We recorded this conversation months ago. As an inclusion, diversity, equity, accessibility, and social justice professional, Kia's work is particularly important to me. And with the recent events surrounding the vicious murders of Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd, I'm even more committed to my work and to shine a light on professionals like Kia Weatherspoon, who's making interior design a standard for all. You'll hear us reference homes as a place of refuge and a human environment, a place that heals and comforts. I invite you to listen to this episode and to ask yourself what you can do to ensure this fundamental human right is not a luxury for a fortunate few. Now is the time for equity. Now is the time to eliminate racism. Now is the time for action. Let's listen in. Hey, Kia, welcome to the Boost Podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So am I. I'm so excited to have you. I know we've only known each other for a short period of time, but in that short period of time, I feel like I've met a kindred spirit. Oh, I agree. I agree. I'm so excited. Awesome. Awesome. For those of our Boost podcast listeners that are hearing Kia Weatherspoon for the first time and learning about uh, Determined by Design for the first time, how would you describe kind of the work that you do? Oh, oh that's, that's easy. Um, we advocate for design equity in low-income communities and affordable and supportive housing. Wow, beautiful. And it's so funny because when I first heard about the work that you do, I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that something like this ever even exists. So tell us more about kind of how long you've been around and what really caused this idea to, to, to be birthed by you. So, you know, I, I'm by training, I'm an interior designer. And that is typically seen as a luxury service. There aren't a lot of women of color or people of color in this space. And I came to design in a very roundabout way. The short version is I went to college, I didn't get financial aid, and then I joined the military and I got deployed shortly after I got to my first duty station. And this was right after September 11th. And I was in the Middle East at a bare base and I was in a tent with about 14 other women. I wanted to cry. And I just couldn't do it. I was a prideful little 19-year-old. And I took some sheets and I hung them from the top of my tent. And I made three sheet walls around my cot. And that was the first space I ever created. And it was something about the way that made me feel. It stuck with me. So when I got out of the military, everyone was like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I want to do this thing where I create spaces for people. And it became, and that was interior design. And fast forward, you know, about seven years, I'm launching my business 
And the first project I did was a transitional housing for domestic violence survivors. It was a nonprofit project and we approached the women and it was 12 women and 32 children. And when I went in there all like exuberant and excited, and I was like, I'm an interior designer and I'm here to de redesign your space. These women looked at me like, one, we don't need this and two, calm down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and through that journey, right, I, I started engaging these women in the design process and I realized a couple of things one they would make comments like wow I didn't know we had access to this type of stuff uh, I didn't know someone would do this for us and when the project finished you know when people think about interior design they think about the big reveal and it's a pretty picture um, and when the project fi finished it was pretty but a woman came up to me and she said, Miss Kia, when I walked into this room, I realized change was possible for me. Mm. Um, and in that moment, it did two things. It took me back to the Middle East in between those sheet walls and me realizing like, gosh, I forgot how powerful space could be. Mm. And it wasn't about decoration and adornment. Um, and that really hit home for me. And the second thing was, you know, for her to say, she felt like that space could change her life. I knew right then that the people who need access to well-designed spaces the most, they don't know they don't have it and they don't know they need it and they don't have an advocate. Um, and I built Determined by Design around being the advocate for those who don't have access to well-designed spaces. Um, and it really, you know, I focused on housing, multi-dwelling multi housing, multi-family housing. Um, and I started to look at the landscape of what affordable housing looked like or low income or Section 8 housing, however, whatever marketing spend you want to put on it. Um, and there was just a disconnect between what that housing looked like in those communities, which were predominantly communities of color. Um, and someone needed to do better. And I built my practice around doing better. Um, and we've been doing that for the past eight years. Wow, that is powerful. I mean, I just get goosebumps when I think about it because, you know, even in light of what we're all experiencing right now, that everyone is kind of homebound. And so it really puts a greater emphasis and need around the work that you're doing because I know your emphasis is around transformational spaces in perhaps affordable housing communities. But I think it's reasonable to think that we all should enjoy the space that we're living in. And that it should be a place, it should be our place of refuge, right? But it's like, I can only imagine like the smiles and the joy that you bring into those spaces. And, and, that's, and that's the powerful thing, right? We spend 97% of our time indoors, whether that's at home, at work, at the gym, at restaurants. So we have to really just think about being, and we always call it the built environment, but it's the human environment. Sometimes it's really about not can you say, I have this fancy thing in my house, but it just makes me feel something. And I think what we're dealing with right now, this idea of shelter and what it means to have shelter and, and a loving and a space that kind of heals you and comforts you, um, you can't describe it as you this finish or do that, but you can feel it. And I think that's why interior design really matters. Um, and people don't think about it that way. Yeah, that's so true. So true. And so who typically, because you work in um, affordable housing communities, who are your, are typically your buyers? Is it that you're working with a municipality? Um, is it uh, private investors or what does that look like? 
Oh, so it's it's a smorgasbord of people. Um, so we do a lot of public and private partnerships where it will be a private developer who will develop affordable housing on city land or with a city agency like DHCD or the DC Housing Authority. Um, so there'll be a partnership there. Um, and those are our clients. Um, other times are, we'll work with nonprofit developers, but those are typically, you know, the people that we work with day in and day out. Those are our clients. Uh, we've been doing a lot more faith-based projects where it is a church who owns the land and they're partnering with a private developer um, to redevelop their land. And typically it is affordable housing, depending on where the community is. Um, and with that comes some challenges, um, but those are our clients. Wow, nice. So tell us about, um, I know you mentioned one particular project or one of the first projects where you had 12 women, 32 children. Mm -hmm. Are there other projects that like, as you reflect on, start to finish sort of like where it really just fed your spirit and brought a, a tremendous amount of joy to the work that you do? Kelly, I, I'm serious. Every project does that. And I'll, I'll give you two different spectrums, right? So typically we do a lot of multifamily housing and we did a project called Gerard Street Department. It was one of our first projects uh, with a developer um, locally here in DC called Dante's Partners. And we're finishing the project and a couple things, we're installing the furniture and there was this man there and she go he goes, Is this stuff staying here? And I was like, Yeah. And he was like, Oh he's like, I I've never thought I could live somewhere like this and he was like, I wanted to go to the to the older building in Georgetown because it was in Georgetown. Oh. But this is like, wow, I never thought I could live someplace like this. So every time, every project we get these we interact with the residents and they see us installing and they're just like, Is this us and it never fails so it's constantly reinforcing that when when we're in these heated and sometimes candid conversations with all of our agencies it's for these people right mm -hmm. it's for this community um on the flip side of that we did a boutique lingerie store for breast cancer survivors in maryland called cherry blossom intimate and everyone was like well wait a second that's a, such a far departure from affordable housing. And it really wasn't because one, the store was for breast cancer survivors of color to go and get fitted for their prosthetics. And in that process, I learned how indignified that experience has been for those women. Everything from having to go get fitted for a prosthetic in, in the back of a hospital down some sterile hallway. Uh, and it was just really like, wow, these women deserve better. They deserve a uplifted and elevated experience. And then it was also, you know, I got to work with two entrepreneurs, two women of color. And a lot of times, a lot of small business owners, they don't think they can afford to have an interior designer come and work on their brick and mortar space. And it's kind of like, no, again, interior design is not it's not unaccessible. You just have to know that there's an advocate out there who wants your business to succeed. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was another project that it was really about serving a demographic that was kind of seen as unworthy or they got less than. Wow. So it's almost like I know your company is determined by design, but I would say it's also mm -hmm. dignity by design because so much of what you're talking about is, you know, giving people back their dignity 
by giving them access to these spaces. So absolutely, absolutely. Now tell me more about, because I know you love to speak around transformational transparency. What is that? You know, I feel like people only want to give you just what's on the surface, mm-hmm. right? And they, they never want to give you enough where that they're almost exposing themselves and their vulnerability, mm. right? Um, so for me, I remember when I started my business, I was reaching out to people like, what should I do next? I need help. I need help. And no one would help me. And it was just like, oh, we'll just do this and read this book. And it was very, very surface level. Um, and I remember saying to myself, well, when I become a leader, when I become a, a business owner, I'm telling everybody everything. All the secrets I wish someone would have told me, all the like things that would make me say like, oh, you, you've been there too? Okay, great. Um, so for me, transformational transparency is about allowing people to see the most vulnerable moments of your journey in a way that they can relate to and see themselves. Um, and a perfect example of that is um, I had to take a professional licensure exam. Mm-hmm. And mind you, um, I've been very unapologetic that it's taken me seven times to pass that test, right? Mm-hmm. A three-day test that I had to sit for seven times, a couple thousand, thousands, thousands of dollars. And here I am known in my industry, right? And I go to these speaking engagements and never fails. Here's the question. Well, tell me about a failure in your life. And everyone gives these superficial answers. And I'm like, well, look, let me tell you about something that's happening right now today. I'm a, I'm a sought-after speaker in my industry, and I've failed my industry's licensure exam seven times. And every time I share that story, someone will say, oh, my God, I had just failed this thing, and I thought I couldn't, couldn't do it. And it's that level of just transparency that I want people to realize. That's how you make an impact. Yeah. People always talk about being a business owner and no one wants to talk about cash flow. And it's just like, you know, that's how a business sustains like cash yeah. flow. And I, again, I, again, I had a speaking engagement and I, I shared with the audience that I think it was like January 13, 2016 like or 17. I was like, you know, guys, I'm here right now. And my business bank account has a negative $3,627. And they were like, what? And I was like, exactly. This is the part of being a business owner nobody wants to talk about, right? Yeah. It's this, these transformational nuggets that I'm unafraid to share. So someone else doesn't have to go through it and either feel ashamed or like they could or should have done something different. Um, so that's why it's really, really important to me. I love that. I love that. Because, yeah, when you're in it, you feel like you're the only one that's going through it. And when someone shares you, they provide you of that glimpse of, of vulnerability and you're able to see how they made it beyond the other side, or maybe they're still trying mm-hmm. to master it, but still it gives you that glimmer of hope that it's like, okay, well, if they can do it, I can do it too. And then it also, it humanizes you, right? Mm-hmm. I think the harder you get, the bigger you get, people seem, they forget that you're human. And I think it's that one, that human factor that keeps you humble. And then it's also what keeps you going because now they're rooting for you, right? I think a big part of my success is I show people exactly who I am, right? Mm -hmm. So whenever I see things like, oh, I have haters, I'm like, I don't have any haters because people know me. They know I'm honest and real and transparent and humble and vulnerable and they want to see me win. 
So yeah. it's kind of it's it kind of a win win when you humanize yourself with people. They want to see see you succeed, and I think the universe feeds off of that momentum and those connections that you create by by giving of of, of yourself to other people for the greater good of other people. Yeah, and I think the other thing too that we fail to think about is the fact that in those moments of vulnerability, we're opening up to share perhaps a need that we might have. And we can't, you know, people, if we just have this facade continually that we've got it all together, people are like, oh, well, I, I thought you were good. And so then when your business falls apart, it's like, well, I, I could have helped you, but I thought you were good. So. And it's like, no, I wasn't good. And, and, that's, and that's a big part of it, too. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah no, I feel struggle. Uh, yeah, every day. <laughs> <laughs> right. Man, well, Kia, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for just sharing your heart and that glimmer into your vulnerability. If someone's listening to the podcast and they just have a desire, whether it is to reach out to you to learn more about perhaps engaging with you to create a transformational space, or if they just want to have you as a girlfriend, you know, to be able to just bounce ideas off of what's the best way for people to circle back and get in touch with you. Oh, so I am, you can always reach me on my website. It's kiaweatherspoon.com or you can go to determinedbydesign.com. I am very active on LinkedIn, again, Kia Weatherspoon. Uh, and Instagram. So Kia in Weatherstone on Instagram. Reach out. I love I love connecting with new people. Um, that's one of the big things I love about social media. It allows you to really create this kind of expansive network of people from all over. So awesome. Well, thank you so much. I wish you, you continued success. Thank you um, also for your service. Uh, I meant to kick off oh, our yeah. time together by just anytime I meet a veteran, particularly a female veteran, I'm like, you know what? Hats off. Big up to you. And thank you for your service. So grateful for your contributions to serve our country. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks again for tuning in to the Boost Podcast. I hope what you heard today will help you to build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to share the podcast with your family and your friends. And while you're at it, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. For more information on me or any of the other services that we provide, feel free to head over to our website, kellytleonard.com. I look forward to catching up with you again on the next episode of the Boost Podcast.